וגם אני פתאום Welcome to Kolot. This is your host, Rabbi Hillel Kappasin, director of the Columbus Community Kolot, and it's a great honor and privilege to welcome all of you to our next episode featuring Javi Brook, and this will be a great follow-up from our last episode with her husband, Rabbi Chaim Brook. Um, Chaim Brook, if you, if, you, if you didn't listen to it, I heavily recommend you listen to it and share with a lot of friends. I don't, I, like, I'm, I'm trying to think what we did not cover that episode, <laughs> starting from um, Hasidus uh, to um, the mezuzah campaign to his family, his children, what it's, you know, the weather in his part of, you know, his part of the world. It was just such a great conversation. We're looking forward to uh, diving a little deeper about the work that he and his wife, Javi, do. If you would like to sponsor a Kolot episode, please email me at Rabbi Kappenstein at the org. That is R-A-B-B-I-K-A-P-E-N-S-T-E-I-N at thekolel.org. Also, if you've been enjoying Kolot's episodes, please consider buying raffle tickets or making a contribution on Team Kolot. The Columbus Community Kolot is having its annual campaign. And to support Kolot and all the amazing things that we do at the Columbus Community Kolel, you could help us do that by visiting yourtimecolumbus.com. Make sure to watch our Your Time video, and please consider making a contribution on Team Colot. Thank you. So without any further ado, please allow me to tell you about our guest. Javi Brook thinks of herself as a juggler leading a Jewish community with her love of sushi, a loving husband, focusing on her five rambunctious kids who are all adopted, living in the Wild West where it's always winter, or so it feels, and she likes to seek a bit of inner peace. What is that? We'll find out. And she likes to do it all while embracing the chaos and enjoying every single bit of life. Javi Brook, thank you so much for joining Kolot. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit of your background, uh, what type of home you grew up in, and uh, you know your journey from there? Sure. So um, I grew up in Texas. My parents moved there when I was six months old um, to open a Chabad house. So I grew up in the Chabad house life. And I um, loved living in Texas. And so I, you know, grew up there. I went away to school because there was no Jewish high school. So I went away like from eighth grade um, through seminary, um, Chicago and Israel. And I um, am the oldest of my family of, you know, Kanaihara, nine children. And um, we had, you know, I really had an awesome upbringing, home, you know, hectic, but loving. And it was, it was great. Sounds like uh like Yehudim sounds, it was uh, <laughs> exciting. Um, so you grew up in the, uh, in, in a Chabad house um, and as an outsider looking at Chabad, um, I see personally um, 
there's a certain warmth. There's a certain non-judgmentalism. Um, there's a certain beauty of Chabad. Um, do you see that yourself growing up? Or it's like one of those things you only see from the outside. Oh, no, absolutely not. Like we were raised in a home that was exactly those things, open to everybody, non-judgmental in the sense it's like, Every single person is welcome. Everybody has their journey. Everyone's at a different place in their journey. We're just here to to provide that warmth, that comfort, that connection to Hashem for whichever way that means for you. And that means it differently for everybody. And we like, maybe to a fault, like had no privacy, right? It was our open home, but we loved it. And we were, that's what we were used to. And um, to me, maybe not everyone feels that way, but for me, like, you you do like growing up in that life it's authentic like that's what you see is what you get like it's it's that way on the other end too like it's not just what we're putting out there or emoting it's actually how we really feel and how we live our lives so as a child growing up in this system um it's not really a system it's a life but um, yeah lifestyle lifestyle uh but did you find yourself like even as a child continuing the mission, so to speak, or that you don't hands off until you get married? Like, were you part of that no, process? For sure. The, the, I mean, I, I can say in most Chabad houses, the children are a huge part of, of that life. First of all, kids bring so much warmth and bring comfort and like also make things less scary for people. So like when you're at a Shabbos table and the kids are rambunctious and misbehaving and acting like regular kids, like that makes people feel very comfortable and like, Oh, like we're normal people, you know? Um, No, but we've always felt very much included in the Shlachas life. Like we were like, my parents were always like this. You are just as a part of this as we are, you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we were always like, super involved in the kitchen, cooking, making programs, running, you know, like running Shabbos, you know, programs for kids. Like we were in it. I think the word or words Chabad house really encapsulates all of that. You know, it's, it's, it's the house, it's the home, it's every part of it, every yeah. member of the household. Um, oh yeah. The team and, effort. For sure. And are all the people that you interacted with then secular, you know, I guess, I hate labels, but just for the sake of the conversation, non-Orthodox? When I was growing up, yeah, the majority of of the people that we interacted with were absolutely secular and each one on their journey, you know, some, you know, becoming a little bit more observant, some not at all. But like as a general rule, as we were growing up, like, yeah, we were we were like one of the only religious people in the city. Yeah. So let's move on to our uh, let, let's move on um to the next uh to the next segment um hard to know where to go now but <laughs> so you and Chaim Chaim claims that he was married for a year and not a day later he was off to uh Montana by the way was he telling the truth yeah we moved today our day after our first anniversary wow to the day <laughs> it was like it was like um he went out he went out you know, he couldn't stay a second longer, except I told exactly. him, I told him, except for the fact he was not on the 49th level of Tomo. But <laughs> the, um, so you got to Montana. I mean, 
I presume you don't know the place that well. What was it like going yeah. literally out of nowhere? Yeah, I know you grew up in a Chabad house, but like, so you know that Chabad house, you grew up there. Here you're entering a place that you know nobody. What was that like? I don't know. Like, I just think, you know, like you're young, you're adventurous, you're, mm-hmm. you know, I always wanted to live this kind of life. So like, and I, and I, like, like I said, like it wasn't foreign to me. So yeah, I was used to my community, but this lifestyle, like I knew what to expect, you know, not to say that there weren't challenges and hardships. There are, there was, and, it, and there's, there still is, but it wasn't like something that I really thought about too much. Like, you know, it was kind of just like, okay, we're here and we take one day at a time and we, we make inroads and we invite people for Shabbos. And so it was slow in the beginning. Of course it's slow. And, you know, but it just wasn't something that was like paralyzed me or was something that I really spent a lot of time dwelling on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you had that, inve- you know, adventurous side to you. So that probably helped a little bit. I'm very adventurous. Yeah. yeah. I, so that, I, that probably you know, helped. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And this this is not, you know, uh, something, you know, personality definitely affects the way you do things and where you end up. And, you know, so for sure, I'm definitely someone who um, likes to take the plunge, likes to do things differently, um, unique and kind of go out there. So. Okay, so now let's get on to your family. And there's like, we could probably do five episodes on that one per child as I as I um, learned from Chaim, but let's Let's start from, you know, and I asked Chaim some of these questions and I'm curious if, you know, your take is, you know, has any differences. You're two different people, but yet you seem to have a really strong shared um, belief and and value system. But my my question to you is, um, you know, Chaim talked about, you know, the process, the beginning and his relationship with Boney Olam. And we've been in touch with Rabbi Bachner before. We'd love to do something with him. He's just, his story is incredible and he's done 10,000 plus People born, uh, babies born because of their financial uh, sponsorship, mm-hmm. besides all the advice and consulting they do. But you and Chaim went for adoption um, after a certain process um, because you felt, okay, we got to move on. Some people don't know how to move on. Some people are like, no, David is going to do it. Um, just keep davening. Um, find someone else who doesn't have and down for them. Make sure to ask, to pray for someone who doesn't have, and then you'll get answered first, right? Um, all these different segulas and, you know, all the, we could go on and on and on, but you didn't take that approach. Why? Oh, dun, 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 dun. okay. Um, okay. There's a lot of, there's a lot to this question. And I think it's, um, it actually evolves as time moves on and, you know, life happens you know, and at the moment, like, to me, it was like, well, okay, God, I hear you, right? Like, biological children's off the table. Okay, okay, so now, now what, right? Like, doesn't mean I can't have children, right? And so it was like, how am I gonna, because to me, I, I really couldn't, for me, I'm speaking for myself, I couldn't really um, imagine or wrap my brain around not having children. So for me, it was just like, okay, well, how, how am I going to have a family? So it's not this way. So we're just going to find another way. Um, And to me, like, it was actually, you know, part of my process of not dwelling in the, in the, 
despair, but like actionable, like, okay, I'm going to take steps. I'm going to take action. I'm going to figure out what I need to do. Um, maybe it was avoiding grief a little bit. Like I was young, I was 23 years old. Like, you know, you don't necessarily know how to grieve quite yet. Um, and you know, through a lot of therapy that came later, right. I did have to go back and grieve. Like I'm not, you, no one's going to get away with not facing the feelings and, and dealing with that stuff. But in that moment, it was the right thing for me to do is to be actionable and to not get stuck in despair and not be able to move on. I found a way to just figure out how to live my life in a way that felt doable for me. Um, so that's, that's how that happened. When a child comes into this world and a mother carried the term, there's like this natural bond. And when you, when you adopt a child, you want to get as close to, if not exactly the same as possible. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that journey? You know, I think, so for me, there was like, as a, as an infant to me, there, there was no problem with bonding and connection. Um, and I think, you know, it's very, it's a very tricky personal experience because I think you'll find that a lot of biological moms can also experience not connect, being connected to their child right away. And that takes a little bit more effort and vice versa. So I just think it's a really personal experience. And I think um, there's not one right or wrong way. And, and for me, like, I didn't have trouble connecting and bonding with my babies. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt very, very natural to me. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot easier to have adopted infants than adopted older kids. Like as they get older, that's where it can get tricky as infant, a baby's a baby, right. you know? Um, babies are not hard to connect to. Um, I can connect especially, to my pieces if I, you know, if I really right. want, you know, if I took care of them long enough, you know, especially like, if it's consistent, you know, it's the, yeah. It's like, gradu- and and you know. obviously there's ways, you know, um, to make sure you, you're fostering that connection and infant massage and, you know, skin on skin. And like, you're very aware and focused on, you know, being, you know, proactive, in your connection, like you don't take anything for granted. So that's an, a plus, right? You're always just like, you know, reading the sign, you know, reading the stuff and knowing, you know, being informed. Um, but I think, you know, my, everyone's going to have a different experience and that goes for biological children and adopted children. But my experience was the connection at, at, and as an infant was never a problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so, like, honestly, like, I don't know what it feels like to have a biological child. So um, I have nothing to compare it to. Well, they do say ignorance is bliss for a reason. That's, you know, right? so another, like, yeah. so to me, it feels completely normal. But do I, if I had a biological child, can I tell you that it feels exactly, exactly the same? I don't have that information. You but, know? But, that, but that works to your advantage. Yes and no, whatever. It is what it is. It is you know? what it is. That's true too. I like that. Uh, so when does it become a problem? And then once, not a problem, I shouldn't use that. I should say, when does it become a struggle, a challenge? Um, that's a more appropriate way of wording it. Yeah. And how do you have the conversation that I'm not your real mom? Yeah. Well, okay. So again, each child is going to be different. It's a very individual um, experience of how a, a, an adopted child 
goes through that that journey. Um, first of all, there's no like time where you tell your kid you're, you don't sit them down and say, by the way, you're adopted, right? Mm-hmm. It's part of their story from the beginning, so they always know, right? Like it's part of how you talk to them from an infant. So it's not something that they ever find out. It's something that just like I always use this silly example, but it really makes sense to me because like my name is Chava Risa, right? My middle name. No one ever calls me Chava Risa, right? I'm called Chavi. I know that my name, who told, did someone, did my mother sit down one day and tell me, by the way, your name is Chava Risa? No, like you just know that that's your name, right? Like you just know that you have a middle name. Maybe it's, you know, used every once in a while. So it's the same thing. Like, it's not like there's a particular time where you sit down with your child and say, by the way, you're adopted. Like, you talk to them about it from an infant. You tell them you're their birth story. You, it's, it's something that they always, it should be. Maybe not everybody does it that way, but it's something that, and for my children, it's something that they always knew. It's a part of their, their story. So when, as they get older and as they develop and as they understand what that means more, right? When there's a two-year-old and you say, by the way, you know, what do they know about adopted? I saw they, they, I didn't grow, you didn't grow in my tummy. You know, like there's the basics. It doesn't matter to them so much. When they're getting older and they're understanding what that really means and then they understand about attachment and then they, you know, they have to start wrestling with that knowledge, then it becomes like a a thing like a something that you have to contend with and each child will handle it differently and you have to meet your kids where they're at but those conversations are very important they have to happen you have to be open about it you have to be willing to talk about whatever they want to talk about right and people always ask me like how do you know what's appropriate for them to know and not to know said so if they're asking the question that means it's developmentally appropriate right it means they're ready for that answer if they're asking the question if, if that's what's on their mind that's what their brain is thinking, that's developmentally where they're at, then you talk about it, right? You doesn't mean you have the answers, right? If my, you know, one of my kids asks me all their details about their birth parents that I don't know. So my answer is, I don't know, right? Um, but, but it's not like, we can't talk about that now. That's too much information for you. Or if they're, they, kids will ask what they're ready for, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's how you know where they're at, what, what's going on in their brain. What are they, what are they needing to know? Like, and each and every age, you know, I have, I run the gamut of ages now, so I can pretty much tell you from zero to 18, you know, what the developmental questions will be. Right. And at every age, it's going to be a little bit different, a little, and as you get older, it gets a little bit more sophisticated and a little bit more complicated. And, you know, that's just the nature of understanding more and growing more and developing more. Wow. <laughs> that's a lot. Um, something that's really, um, you know, making me think long and hard about is five adopted children. Each has got their own story and story in between the story, the before, after, and during. But that's got to take a toll on you. And <laughs> so the, I, you know, I believe a building is only as, as strong as its foundation. And to go with that metaphor, a home is only as strong as the parent body. So how do you and Chaim, um, how do you guys stay strong so you, then you could be strong, you know, emotionally effective with your children? Um, you know, that's a really kind of loaded question because I, I would like to say, oh, yeah, we have it all together and we're always connected and we're always strong and our family's always supported. And no, that, you know, sometimes it's a complete 
utter disaster and everything's crumbling and everyone's falling apart and nobody feels good, right? Like that's just part of life. Now, do we work really, really hard to, um, you know, have a strong foundation, be connected? Absolutely. Are we sometimes in survival mode? Absolutely. Right. Like some, like sometimes you're just getting through the day. Like if all the kids are in bed and they are fed dinner, like 10 points, right? Like there's some days like that. There's some time periods like that. And I, I just, to me, what's important is, is that we're always doing our best. Sometimes our best is not good enough, but it's our best, right? We're always doing our best. We're always learning to grow. We're always, you know, ready to learn and to um, admit mistake and try again, you know, like there's many things that, you know, I've had to come to my children and say, you know, like, I, I wish I had done that differently, you know, I'm sorry, you know, so, and I think, you know, throughout the years, we're married almost 17 years, and, you know, we've learned, like, life is, life is a lot easier when we're on the same page, um, but we're not always on the same page. Sometimes you want to parent differently. Sometimes we have surprisingly different approaches to our faith, right? Like we're both Chabad. We're both, you know, we both have a similar background, but sometimes it, we, we serve God differently, right? Like, and sometimes, you know, that comes out with how we want to educate our children. Like we're, we're, we're two different people. And so um, I think learning that it's okay, right? That we have different approaches and that it's okay to talk about it. And it's okay to find our middle ground or it's okay for sometimes I'm compromising. Sometimes it's he's compromising, right? Like keeping that communication, that dialogue, you know, healthy and also being aware that it's not always going to be great. Like we're not always going to have this like amazingly functional home. We're not always, not everyone's always going to like, sometimes it's just not. Right. And I venture to say that not many people want to talk about that and admit that. Um, And then that puts a lot of pressure. And I think we it's okay. It's okay to like like my therapist always says, like the his favorite line to me is, oh, you're human. Oh, good. to Like we are human. Right. Like none of us are ever going to be perfect far from that. Right. And so humans do human things. Right. And so being aware that like, it's, I think when we walk into marriage and think that, you know, it's always going to be great or it's always going to be perfect or always going to be on the same page. And, you know, that can be very tricky, but just understand, like, I just have to come to terms a lot of times with like, okay, this is just, this isn't, it's not great time right now like our family is struggling like the kids are hard we we're run ragged like we don't have time to connect like and I can say yeah you have to make time um the most important thing is for you know like you said like the foundation of the home is the couple and make time for yourself it's the most important thing all those things are true you know what else is true sometimes it's just not possible Right. Sometimes it's just not possible. And the only thing you can do is get through the day and you, you're not connecting with your husband because you're just you just can't. Right. Like and we have a lifestyle like that. Like we have very, 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 very um, wonderful, hard, difficult children that take everything out of you physically, mentally, whatever. And sometimes like 
we just laugh, like <laughs> connecting, like not to, obviously it has, you know, you can't go 17 years without connecting, right? Like, so there's seasons, right? And there's times where we can really, really work on our, our connection and our foundation. And those are the times that sustain us when we can't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of that made sense. Yeah, no, it does. And, and you know, it, it just reminded me of, we interviewed Svi Gluck, um, the head of Amudim, you know. Uh, no. And, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, the, but the work they do, wow, power to them. Um, mm-hmm. he, he said about him, I asked him about Svi, you got your hands in some of the muddiest parts of the world um, with abuse, uh, molestation, addiction, all, all that stuff. And um, I said, how do you stay sane? <laughs> You know, you're the one dealing with all of it. It all comes and passes by your desk. And, you know, he said that I'm, 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 uh, I'm happy to, to, to say that I see, he said, I, I see a therapist twice a week, says he sees a psychiatrist once a month. Um, and he knows that sometimes it's okay to not be okay. Yeah, if you just for remind, sure. You know, like my, like my husband has a therapist. I have a therapist, like, um, mom, I like that is front and center like you've you know you've you've got to have that place and you've got to make that a priority if you're associating and dealing with such a high stress level you know of difficult things you know and you know I don't deal with this on a global level but on a personal level I you know we've come across all those things that you just mentioned so this is it's it's a it's it's a big load and so you you know having the system and the support system in place is extremely important. So it sounds like you're very comfortable talking about that. Um, you said you, you have a therapist, your husband does, um, maybe your children. Um, can you talk about how that's helped you? And, and let me just, before I let you go, but let you respond. Um, I think it's important for people to realize that normal people need help and the help that normal people will be getting could be life-changing and don't let the shame or guilt or whatever, what I say, the Yitzhahara puts in the way, um, mm-hmm. get in the way. So if, you know, whatever you're comfortable sharing, talk about the benefits of getting the help that you've been getting. You know, I, I, I hope that we we're at a time where there's less shame surrounding a therapist. I know like 20 years ago, it was almost unheard of in the firm communities, even if you were going, like you definitely didn't talk about it. I never understood the shame in it. Like it just, that's kind of my personality. Also, I'm like, okay, so like, what's, what's embarrassing, you know? Um, So, right. Like we don't just, we don't have to be messed up to go to a therapist. Right. Um, And I always say like, if everyone had a therapist, like, I feel like the world would just be a little bit more functional, right? A good therapist. (laughs) Right. Of course. Um, So for like, I can speak from my personal experience, like when you're, you're dealing with so your own, um, everything is layered, right? So you have children that trigger your own emotions, right? And you have things that you go through that are, are hard and are, um, sometimes you don't know how to to navigate, right? And and it's not always the best idea to to have your like a spouse should not be your therapist, right? Like there's a spouse role and then there's a therapist role, right? And so, like like for example, for me, like you know, after I adopted children and I you know still found myself struggling, you know, with 
my um with my reality right of not having biological children like because I was like I have a family what do I have to complain about right and it takes a very smart therapist who can guide you through your grief right um to to see you right not objectively not judgmentally and it's also shine light on certain things that I like my therapist said to me he's like you know yeah thank god you have a beautiful family you know but that isn't doesn't take the place of having biological children like you have adopted children right it's not you don't switch a room like it's not like oh enter this for this right so like you know having someone take me through that you know make me feel like I wasn't crazy for the feelings that I was having you know go through that grieving process like those are things that you don't always are, or I would say most of the time not able to do on your own because you don't, you're in yourself. Like it's hard to like look at this bigger picture and, and have someone like come, you know, be there with you and um, also not be in it at the same time, you know, like, so I think we, you know, and I also think like, as we parent, we parent ourselves, right? Like, as we parent, we're also growing up, right? And we're also being triggered by, you know, our upbringing. And why do we do the things that we do? And why do we expect what we expect from our children? And all of that is, is, it's so layered. And like, being able to talk about those things, unravel them, put them where they're supposed to be. So when you're in a situation, you're not you know, you don't have feelings coming out inappropriately because you've never dealt with them. They are being like, feelings just want to be hurt, right? Mm-hmm. So if we don't pay attention to them, they're they're constantly going to like say, hello, I'm here, right? At the right, wrong times, right? right? right. They're going to be like, oh, blow up over here because there's so much. But if you take the time to really pay attention to what you're feeling, then then all of a sudden you have space and capacity for other people's feelings, for your children, for your for your spouse, because yours are being taken care of when we don't have room right and we can't handle our kids or we can't handle our spouse and you know it's because well no one's really taking care of of us right Mm -hmm. and so there's no space for anybody else the airplane you know you have to put you have to uh, make sure your mask is secure before you help someone next to you it sounds like um i cannot um say this enough but you just reminded me again we had yy rabbi yy jacobson on and uh, who's just one of my heroes, really. Um, I love He's him. amazing. I just, <laughs> just love him so much in his tire and his, in his approach, his, the beauty of Yiddishkeit, everything. And he said that, you know, we were talking about, you know, unfortunately, machlekes and, you know, arguments and fight, community fights. And he says to me this, he said, you know, when I see these two people, even if they're rabbis or whoever they are, they're fighting. I feel like telling them you're not fighting. It's your traumas that are fighting. It's like this unchecked emotional baggage that's still in you and something got triggered. And now that thing's coming out because he pushed the button. And it sounds like for sure. Happened. It's like, you know, all these politicians in power, like it's just like if only they had a therapist, right? Like, <laughs> you know, so much of our, you know, so much of our problems would be would be better. But it's 100 percent true. Like if you don't address you know, your traumas, you know, I know it's a buzzword and it, you know, whatever, but if you don't address the things, you know, we all are who we are for a reason. Right. And, you know, we are, our, our, our experiences, our life experiences, our, 
family, our parents, they all make us who we are, right? Um, all shape us. And so, and no, everyone has things that are not perfect in their lives, you know? And, you know, just being being able to handle that and and face it and deal with it, you know, allows you not to be, you know, fighting with somebody else's trauma, you know, like. No, it resonates very well. My last question is we've spent so much time talking about um, the challenges, the adversity, which is life, you know, and, and by the way, that's how we grow. You know, you, you, you build mus- muscle by lifting weights, not, not lifting weights, mm-hmm. but, um, mm-hmm. but I want to talk, I just want to, you know, ask you for the, our, our last question. Can you talk about the positive aspects of adopting the fulfillment that you feel and why people who are in situations like yourself or similar should consider it? It's a very loaded question because number one, adoption is not for everybody, right? So just because I did it doesn't mean that now I'm like, oh, everybody should do it, right? It really is something that is a very big deal that that the, you you know you need to really understand and be aware of. Of course, you're not going to know every scenario, and there's a, obviously like that leap of faith that has to happen. But there has to be some kind of like understanding and drive to do that. So I don't want to say that oh you're struggling with infertility for sure adoption is for you, right? I don't think it's black and white like that. I what I would like to say is oh you know what adoption is an option, right? Like this is there. Like before we did it, it, no one ever did it. And so it wasn't almost, people didn't even think that that was a, an option, right? Um, and so let's, let it's an option. Explore it. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it's not, right? Um, I also don't like to um, view like my choice or the, 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 the fact that I adopted kids as like some big altruistic thing that I did and how fulfilling it is. No, I have a family, right? Like, do you ask that to a biological parent? Like, you know, wow, you're so amazing for having a, a child, right? Like, and it, is, and it isn't different, but like my drive for adopting was because I wanted a family, right? I, I didn't, I wasn't humanitarian, right? Like, I'm happy that I'm in this position and I, I see the beauty in it after I did it, but I just like want to be honest. Like this wasn't a humanitarian like endeavor, right? It was like, we wanted a family, you know, and Hashem decided that this was the way we were going to have a family. And you, and and it's fulfilling and it gives you seat book and it gives you, uh, just like, just like any other, like, just like any other family, like, Right. If you are a person in this world who wants to raise a family, then you're, I hope, going to find fulfillment and and stability and joy in your family. Right. So um, that's kind of how I look at it. I, I, I want to say that raising adopted children is a thousand percent different than raising biological children. Mm-hmm. I'm not like those. It's really a different world. Um I think a lot of people like to say, oh, it's the same thing to make you feel better. It's not, okay? It is a completely different experience. But what I'm trying to say is the idea of a family and the fulfillment that I'm getting from my family is coming from the same place. Does that make sense? 
it, it 100% makes sense because really having children is part of the process, at least the way it was explained to me. I heard this originally from Rabbi Zachariah Wallerstein, uh, Zachariah Levrach, who I used to listen to frequently. Part of having children is, by, by, is, is because we're changing ourselves from takers to givers. And that's a process. And mm-hmm. you're going through that process maybe more than regular biological parents. You're becoming. Well, um, I would say probably because <laughs> right. you don't, you know, like it, it's not, it's, it's not coming from you. So it's a, it's a little bit of a different process. Um, uh, yeah. So, you know, thank God, like I a hundred percent believe and trust God that this is what he wanted from me. And this is the way that I was meant to have a family. Um, and I, I, be, I don't second guess it, right? I believe that, it, you know, I don't know why. I can't tell you why, you know, but I, I do believe that it's a very clear to me that this is what I was meant to be doing. And these children were meant to be my children, right? For whatever reason, you know, um, and I do my best to do right by them, right? And, you know, sometimes I, I you know, it's a struggle. Sometimes I'm not the best I could be, right? Um, but I definitely try. And I do, you know, think that this is, this is where, like, your faith comes in, right? Like, you kind of tying what you said in the beginning. Like, why did you choose adoption? Like, how did you get here, right? Because, like, this is where I felt like God was pushing me. Like, this is what I was meant to be doing. And if you know that you're in the right place, what, you know, what are you going to feel bad about? You know, yeah, there are challenges, but you know, you're in the right place and that's comforting. Um, this was an incredible conversation. I thoroughly. I hope so. I, I, <laughs> I hope I, it lived up to the expectations. <laughs> it, well, I think it went a little above and beyond. Um, and I know that's cliche, but really, I, I have to say, between yourself and Chaim, you guys are a superpower couple and very inspiring. Chaim did invite me to Montana. I don't know if that invitation was just on his end, but uh, no, we would love to have you. You're welcome anytime. Okay, and <laughs> see I hope, it for yourself, you know. Yeah, and we would love to welcome you to Columbus when the time is right. Um, your your message needs to get out there, so it would be an honor to host you as well. But um, not getting too carried away, focusing on the now, right? As we mentioned yep. earlier, thank you yep. for coming on. This was incredible. Um, I can't wait for people to listen to this. And, uh, <laughs> you know, my bracha is to you that you should keep inspiring people, you know, your emuna, your okay. faith, and um, doing what you're doing and, and, you know, showing the light of parenting and Yiddishkeit and everything like that should continue with many for, for many, many years to come. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And uh, I'm sure we'll cross paths again. <laughs> Amen. To listen to all Kolot episodes and see upcoming guests, visit kolopodcast.com. We are also on all podcast players. Type in Kolot on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, and Amazon. Share with your friends and please make sure to give us a five-star review. Kolot is a project of the Columbus Community Kolo, a full-time Jewish learning center in Bexley, staffed with high-caliber Torah scholars. Ever since 1995, boys, girls, men and women from all backgrounds and affiliations have found many opportunities to connect with Torah and mitzvot at the Kolo. 
Whether it's a study partner, engaging lesson, or a program, the Kolel is your one-stop shop for all your Jewish learning. If you want to know how you can benefit from the Kolel, visit thekolel.org. That is T-H-E-K-O-L-L-E-L dot org and forever be inspired.